Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's proof we have an amazing worship team. Amen. All their hard work for Christmas bringing us Christmas worship at the same time. Thank you. Uh, they do put in extra hours this time of year just to make our experience better. And I appreciate that. Having been on the worship team, that helps. Let's pray today before we get started. Father, we just come before you. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves, our minds and our thoughts to you. Father, we throw out any ideas that we have, Father, coming into this service. And we just give you our complete surrender. Father, we surrender our thoughts, our minds, even my words, Father, unto you. Holy Spirit, use me as your mouthpiece today. Father, let the word go forth. Break open fallow parts of the heart. Fallow ground that needs to be broken up to hear the spirit of the Lord and what he's saying to them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Oh, good morning, church. It's good to be back with you today. Um, I just want to take some time to remind you that we're going to have to get right to it today. Because we have a beautiful children's little thing for you. And I know there's a lot of grandparents here waiting like, okay, could you get her off stage so I can see my beautiful grandchild? It's all right. No offense taken. I understand where this is going. I don't have grandchildren yet. Um, I'm not looking forward to that day yet. I just want everyone to know. Um, I haven't picked out a name yet. I understand this is a thing. Like you get to pick a name out that you want to be called. I don't know about that. I think I just made something up and my grandmother went with it. So I'm really praying that my future grandchildren will choose something really cool and not something really dopey. But it's okay. You know, we're going to take what we get, right? So I want to um, talk to you today. We're going to be looking at the story of Mary and Joseph. Of course, it's Christmas, right? As our examples to the Christmas story. How did they see the Savior and what can all of us as a body of believers, see now what possibly was happening then. We, we've realized over the last few weeks that what you and I see determines what we believe. Did you hear me? Then what you believe, you will eventually begin to receive from the product. Now, let me, let me just say this in, in a nutshell. If you don't see or believe that God is good in your life, then he must be the one that brings all the brokenness, all the frustration, all the struggle. To, he must be the author of bad things. And if you believe that, it doesn't matter what you hear, what you think, you will believe that every bad thing came from God because he must be moving us around like a dollhouse in heaven and, you know, well, this one deserves a little more. Come on. But if you believe that God is good in every situation, then everything that comes from him is good. I can't tell you how many times through this season where we've lost someone that we love, that people come up to me and say, aren't you wondering why? Why did God take him? Why, when he was doing such a good work? You know what? I got to be honest with you. I don't ask why. Do you want to know why? Because I believe God is good. Amen. I believe that God is grander than my small, infinite mind. I believe that God had to have perceived something that I did not understand and that I could not know and that I can't wrap my mind around today. First Corinthians says that today we look through the glass darkly. 
Oh, but when we see our Savior Jesus coming on the clouds, for then we shall see with full clarity and the big picture. You know what? No, I'm not asking why, because I believe God is good. Amen. How I see determines what I believe, and I will receive the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Oh. Let's go to the scripture and let's see what the word says about our sight. I want to just start with Psalms 146.8. It says that the Lord gives sight to the blind. Now this is figuratively and literally. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down and the Lord loves the righteous. In other words, when you humble yourself before God, he gives you sight. When you and I see our need for Jesus as our Savior, the minute you become a Christian, you are granted sight to see supernatural things. Now, it doesn't mean we always see supernatural. Now we see things differently, not as the world would see them, but as the Word would see them. We look through the eyes of faith. We don't look through the eyes that the world looks at. So the world would look at a situation and go, that's desperate. But God would look at that situation. Faith would look at that situation and say, oh, but with God, there's nothing that's impossible. Which way do you look at something? Do we, obvious, do we always lean towards the world's way? Because Hebrew 11:1 one says, now faith is the confidence, the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So when I look at that situation that the world says is just, there is no hope. Faith looks at that situation and has confidence in a God that will follow through and do what he says and mean what he says and bring about what he says to you and I, and my hope is in something that I cannot see at that moment. I might not see that instant situation turn around immediately, but I know that if I just hold on, it's coming. My hope is in something far greater than what the world puts its hope in. Our story today tells us about two people who were told something and had confidence in spite of their feelings, in spite of what their community said, in spite of what they saw. So we'll begin our read in Luke 1. If you've listened to me speak any amount of time, you know that Luke is one of my favorite gospels because he's so detailed. By the way, if you don't know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four different versions of a lot of the same parables, the same stories, but it's a different perception from four different people. I think I liked Luke because he was a physician and had a attention to detail, maybe. I don't know. Might be a part of my annual behavior. Let's start in the 26th chapter. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this was a relative to Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Here's what I think is important for you and I to realize after reading that story. That God the Father was looking for a clean vessel to use. For nothing unholy could carry the holy child. And he wasn't asking her to do anything by herself. He was asking her to do it with him. Let us note that God asks you and I nothing, nothing. On our own. He always asks us to do it with him. But it's when you and I begin to grow independent of the Holy Spirit and independent of God that we step outside the realm and we begin making independent choices and begin to mess up the story that God's writing for you and I's life. So let's view what they did. He also mentioned that his favor was upon her. I'm just going to be honest in our family The older kids say that our youngest is our favorite. I really try not to show favoritism. I really don't. But you know, I also think that the first child you're the hardest on. The second child you're like, eh. But the third child you just don't even care. I mean, like, I'm going to be real. Like the pacifier with Alexis, we, oh, we had to wash it, sterilize it, throw it in boiling water, like all the time. By the third one, we were like, here. Like, it didn't matter. It could have fell on a restroom floor at Walt Disney World and we didn't care. Like, oh, you're, you're building your immune system. You'll be fine. Right? <laughs> I don't know if that's favor, but, but throughout the years, I've realized that the reason my kids call Quentin the favorite is because Quentin happens to be the most like the dosics. He was the most like me and the most like my father. Okay? And Lincoln tends to be like Randy. And Lexi's this beautiful mix of both of us. But because Quentin is the most like me, I get him. I understand what he's thinking, right? In good things and bad things. But is it possible that God shows favor to those who are like him? Is it possible that when you take on his nature and you look like God looks, that he's like, oh, I love this one a little more. Look at him. He just loved that person like I do. Like, I think that makes Jesus proud. That's not biblical scripture. I don't have any proof for that. But I'm just telling you, favor was upon Mary because she was a clean vessel and was found righteous in his eyes. 
and that her heart. See, God doesn't choose things based on what we've done, who we are, where we come from, our age, our color, our status in life. That's how the world chooses. God chose according to the heart. God was just looking for somebody who would love him, somebody that would take him at his word, somebody that wouldn't just run off and become independent, but would walk out this life with him. That's what God was looking for. And he just happened to find it in a young virgin named Mary. Oh, but Mary also chose wise because we can go and look at Matthew, the first chapter, 18 through 25. We can't forget Joseph and his story because I believe, well, I'll I'll follow through with that later. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Let's go to verse 18. Now, this is Joseph's encounter. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after, now I'm just saying, does this sound like drama like straight up right off of the movie? This is like Housewives, like it's really dramafied. But at, like, I could hear it go, dun, 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 dun. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. It says, and 22, jump to 24 just for time's sake today. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Just a note here, I want you to identify that God communicates with people different ways. Mary, she needed to see She needed to hear, and by the way, all you women out there, she needed to ask a question. (laughs) But Joseph was like, man, I'm not the man of words. Just show me what you want me to do, and I'm just going to go walk it out. You know, how many men do you know that stop and ask for directions? And all the women are like, we should stop and ask. We should stop and ask. I just want to say they were definitely fulfilling God's roles in their lives. (laughs) My dad never stopped and asked for directions. I just want to say, just a mute point. But seriously, on a good note, if you look at this relationship already, prior to marriage, this man and this woman, two different people from two different places, heard from God together. And literally almost the same exact thing. To all you marriages out there who think, I don't know that unity can be achieved. Yes, it can. But it takes the heart of two people like Mary and Joseph. It takes a heart that's clean, number one. And number two, who's willing to hear from the Holy Spirit and willing to follow it through and work it out and obey. Don't think that unity is not available in your marriages. It can be achieved, but it takes two willing vessels that will hear from the Lord and be obedient. Amen? Amen. Now back to our message. Mary and Joseph were a big part of God's plan. It was a divine plan for all of mankind. And he was looking at their hearts. Their response to what he said was everything. Do you think that Mary didn't have a plan? 
you know, I just, I just, where's Josie? Is Josie in here yet? She hasn't made it back from the worship team. I know Josie and Samuel are going to be getting married. I spent last home group listening to these young girls. Oh, I just can't wait. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Do you have this picked out? Do you have that picked out? You know, when we do this, we got to do that. I'm telling you that Mary had a plan for a wedding. She had a plan of what it would look like. She had these expectations that were huge. What girl doesn't, right? And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes in and just wrecks her world. This is what it appeared in the natural. Do you think that they didn't have their wedding night worked out? Like, I bet Joseph was already pushing back his plate. Like, no, I got to, you know, I got to look good for the wedding night, so I'm not going to eat that. Because he was thinking, this is it. And then he finds out that his wife is carrying a baby and it ain't his. What? I asked Alexis at the table the other day, I said, Lex, I said, how do you think they felt? She said, all I got to say is putting, putting that into today's world would have been Instagram worthy. Can you just imagine a lady comes out and says, I'm pregnant with the son of God. She's like, mom, it would have went viral. There wouldn't have been one person in the world that wasn't walking with their phone and go, you're her, you, you're the one that said you're pregnant with the son of God. Can you imagine what she was in her city as people walked by her and spat on the ground that she walked on because she chose to believe in the voice of God more than her community, more than her friends? Come on, Mary, you know you were with Joseph. You know you were bad. Who were you with? Tell us. We won't tell anybody. Just tell us. By the way, if anyone says that to you, they're going to tell 15 people. And if they're trying to get it out of you and, they'll, and they can, then someone else will get it out of them. That's just how that works. My mom always said, what they do to you, they're going to go do to somebody else. So don't even take that for, for a fact. Like, just know that. And the worst thing I hear is, well, why don't you tell me so I can pray? No, that's called tailbearing and gossip. And just because you put it in the word of the Lord doesn't mean that that makes it godly. I'm going to speak it out. And we have a problem with all these big gruesome sins like, you know, alcohol and he was drunk or he's addicted or, or she's living a life with another woman. But at the same point... We got liars sitting in our seats and backbiters and tailbearers rather than those who love Jesus and will just begin to love like him, right? Oh, I know. Sometimes the word's hard. They were looking from reality, guys. Do you realize they weren't ready? They weren't prepared. They, you, can you imagine? You're going to raise the son of God. You don't think they felt maybe just a little inadequate? Just a little? How will we raise the son of God? Like, what's he going to eat? Like, honey? I don't know. What does... I don't know. Here's the issue. A lot of us are not prepared. A lot of us don't feel ready. A lot of us feel inadequate in our walk with God, in our own parenting, in our own marriages. Yet all we need to do is look at what the word of the Lord has said. Just take it for what it's worth and follow through follow through. It's really not that hard. They were rejecting her, but they believed the word of the Lord. I'm like you. There are things that I hear that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But 
in every situation, ask yourself, am I taking Jesus at his word? Am I? Because this is what we see in John 1:14. It says that the word became flesh. Woo! The word, the word was with God in the beginning. God, the big creator. The word was right next to him when he said, let there be light. And then the Holy Spirit was next to the word. And the word and the Holy Spirit said, I got this. And he goes out and gets it done. He's the doer of the word, right? That's what he does. He's the one who makes the magic happen in the kingdom. But Jesus was the word. And he wrapped himself in human flesh so that you and I would know what the father looked like. You don't think after the whole Old Testament that we needed to know that God wasn't like, ah, like going to burn you up if you made a mistake? There was a new way. There was a better way. It was the way of grace. And God was saying that if you make a mistake and you find yourself separated from me, if you'll just cry out wherever you are, no matter how far, no matter how high, no matter how dirty you are, I got you. And I got you and I'll pull you up. And it's okay. Because there's nothing too big for me that I can't fix. The word was with God. Do you see the word in your situation? Do you see him? Because he's waiting for us to just look and see him. The word says it in written letters. Jesus, the word, came and lived it to prove that you and I can walk it. Are we walking it? Are we walking it to the fullest? Do we really believe that he's with us? Because Mary's, Mary's relative, Elizabeth, she was the confirmation that Mary needed. Mary, Elizabeth could not conceive, could not conceive. And yet the Lord touched her and she became whole. And now she is. And so this is where we get this, the, the biblical saying that says, with God, nothing is impossible. With God, infertility, it's all possible. God can go against what doctors say. God can heal and mend those broken places. And you can have a child because God says you can. There's no better story in the Bible to prove that infertility is not of God. Amen. We don't have to live like that. What does the Lord ask you to do? What does he ask you to do? Has he asked you to love your neighbor as yourself? And maybe that's really hard for you. Has he asked you to raise a tribe of children? And you're like, I'm about to die. I feel you. I only had three. I stopped before I was tapped out. Maybe you've been asked, hear me out. Maybe you've been asked to give the largest offering that you've ever given. Oh, come on. God's been dealing with my heart about some things. Like I was praying about 21 days of prayer and I'm just being real transparent with you. I said, you know, don't, God, I... (laughs) Don't ask too much. (laughs) I'm thinking, oh Lord, what's he going to ask? Three days, four days a week? I don't know. I'm scared because I wonder if I can fast. I wonder if I can make it through 21 days of prayer and fast what he's asking me to do. And then I hear, I didn't ask you to do it alone. I'm thinking I got to be able to stay focused. My tummy's rumbling. I can't give all I got. And you know what? Shut up. Listen to the Lord and just follow and obey. No one's died 21 days without food. Amen. Not that that's what I said you were asking me yet. I just want to be sure. 
Maybe some of you have a talent that you're afraid to use because you're afraid to put yourself out there that way. You're like, no, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe it's that you're supposed to walk out of a relationship that you've been in for a really long time, but that relationship is birthed out of sin and disobedience. And God's like, that's not what I've got for you. We need to look at our lives through the eyes of Jesus. Mary and Joseph began to walk it through. She said, let your words be fulfilled through me. When God asks you and I to do something, do we begin to tell him why it can't work? Do we begin to ask him how? I just want to be real with you. I think Mary's question was really real. As a woman, how do I become impregnated with the son of God? Like, I think there was a big fear involved in that. But do we ask all the details? Do we have to know? Because I want to remind you that the devil is in the details. God's not going to give you details about what he wants you to do. He's going to simply ask you to do something and you're not going to know the way it looks. But what you're going to do is go, yes, Lord. And then the next step's going to be revealed. And then it's, yes, Lord. Because to me, in my personality, if he could reveal more than one step, I'm going to alter that step. And I'm going to remind him of a way we can do it easier and more comfortable. Right. That's what we do. That's the human nature, to look at it through our own dependency and not our dependency upon him. It's time that you and I begin to listen to the words of the Lord. Whether he's speaking audibly, whether it's a still small voice, whether he speaks to us through the song on the radio or through the pastor preaching on Sunday, or whether he speaks to us in a still, small voice. And that you think it's him. You're not sure it's him. But just in case it's him, I'm going to do it anyways. Right? We've all been there. We've all been there. I remember coming to my dad when I was young. And God had told me to give a significant amount of money to a teenager. It was $50. And it was more than my miracle box had put back in my seat envelope. And I said, Dad, I said, I think God told me to give this money today. And he said, what do you mean you think? I said, just what I said, I think. I don't know, maybe he didn't. Maybe it's the devil trying to get me to give my money. He said, hmm. Well, if you give it, and God says give, and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, then how is that not God? I said, well, what if he's not telling me, like, if I'm not obeying, like, I'm trying to get out of giving this 50 bucks any way I can. And dad finally looks at me, he said, Nicole, the devil would never tell you to give. The only thing he does is take. Here's what I'm reminding you today. God's willing to do whatever you can ask or perceive or believe he can. How you see who came to save, rescue, and deliver you matters. Will we look through the eyes of faith or will we look through our own independent eyes? And see what we want to see. He's made it quite clear for you and I. But if you don't initiate faith and see what can be, because God made it be, you'll keep looking through the world's eyes and the struggle will continue. Now, today, I want to be sure, I know we have the kids coming. 
and I'm at one minute and 49 seconds that those kids are in the hallway. So we're gonna bring those kids on in if they're listening to me. And then what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna ask <clears throat> for an altar call right here and right now because I think that if I let you go till after the children, you might leave and think God gave you a pass. <laughs> Some of you could be sitting in our pews today saying that I never saw Jesus the way I saw him today. I didn't know that it took believing in something and seeing him in this way that I could receive him. I thought he brought all this bad to my life to get me to the altar. No, that's not who God is. He allows you and I to make the choices in our life, and some of those choices bring us to an awful bad place where he is, that he can fix, that he can heal, that he can mend, and that he can save. God's not just looking for fixed people. He's looking for the broken. And I'm the first to tell you that I don't live a perfect life. I try. I strive. I keep my eyes on Jesus. But on a given day, I could think a wrong thought. I could say the wrong thing that should have stayed somewhere else and not come out of my mouth. But because I'm human, we all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? Amen. There's no more present time like now to come home to be with Jesus. Listen, those kids, hear them? If there would be anyone in the house today that says, Pastor Nicole, I want to give my life to Jesus today's your day. There's no time to wait. You don't have to. All you have to do is just say yes to God. He's here waiting on us. We, all of us, 90% of us in here, we've said yes. Amen. We know what it's like to take the walk. We know what it's like to come down the aisle and everybody be watching. But let me remind you, Mary and Joseph walked and lived among people. And they were asked to do one of the hardest things they ever did. And they followed through and they lived their life. And brought forth the Holy Son of God and raised him. And they did the best they could, amen? And he became the sacrifice for you and I. Is there anyone in the house today that would say, Pastor Nicole, I want to give my life to Christ. This Christmas, I want to say yes to God. Is there anybody? Anyone in the house today? All right. Father, we just come before you today and we thank you, Lord, for the message of the Lord that you gave us today. Father, I ask that you would bless and honor these children as they come and minister in song to us today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you continue to prepare the heart of the sinner for this season, Father, that we would be able to harvest souls for your kingdom and make a difference and bring them into your kingdom so that we could all be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, get ready. Your children are coming.
think this will be the quietest your kids will ever be. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> yes. Well, we want to thank everybody for coming out and uh, helping us prepare and bringing your kids to church every week. They've been uh, rehearsing quite a while. I think for some of us, it seems like it's been years, but uh, it's only been a few weeks, but they've been uh, practicing really hard. I, I'm pretty sure some of you at home are tired of hearing the same Christmas music over and over and over as they've been singing, but they are prepared and they're ready. And uh, the gifts of Christmas, we have four songs for you. So uh, just enjoy, and uh, they're going to enjoy singing them for you as well as we keep preparing here. Good morning. Our first scripture is in Luke. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God.
Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. 
Remember, we have a special treat for your for your parents. All right, everybody stand up. Come back up here and follow in. So we just want to share with you today, as they're coming quietly, we all know how that works. Jesus is our Savior, and he wants to bless you all so much this Christmas season. So the kids, the teachers, and helpers, and I would like to share with you a few of the gifts that Jesus has given us. So I have Miss Rose and Miss Courtney and Miss Chrissy. We're gonna get these gifts passed out and then we wanna present them to you. So in case you want to know what's on that side, you're going to see uh, new life that's abundant and free, joy in my heart, peace in my soul, love for the world, uh, God's holy word, 
hope for tomorrow. All my sins forgiven, gold trees in heaven, new songs for singing, grace that's amazing, lips filled with praising, and life everlasting. Can you guys tell them, hit it, maestro?
Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday, Jesus. Come on, give Jesus another round of applause. Come on. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God is good all the time. Yay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we guys, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, obviously. We want to thank you for the kids. They really enjoyed themselves while they were singing. You know, uh, today, one of the little children, they were... Uh, she was sitting with her mother, her, I think it was her grandmother, yes. And uh, I said, listen, aren't you going to go up there and sing? And they're like, no. And I said, why don't you want to sing? I said, it's about Jesus. And she says, I love Jesus, but I don't want to sing to him. Okay, great. That's great. Awesome. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to have the kids go back to their classrooms. So uh, one more time, let's give them a round of applause, you guys. Good job, guys. Yes. Amen, amen. Woohoo! So, all right, you'll follow your leaders back to the classrooms. We really want to thank all of our teachers. <laughs> we want to thank everybody who helped participate. Um, Linda Kaiser did a fantastic job of uh, getting all the songs prepared, scripture verses done. Uh, she's just amazing. She also. Did one for the school, so Temple Christian School before this one. So that was great, so she did all this. And so we thank you so much for doing this with the children. I was a little nervous, but uh, they, did, they did well. So thank you, Linda, for loving the kids and doing this for them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. This is the next generation future leaders, right, my man? That's right. Good stuff. Praise the Lord. All right, wave goodbye, y'all. Wave goodbye as you go back to your classes. Layla, wave goodbye to everybody. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I see. They love this scene ever. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, Riley, better hurry. <laughs> All right, everybody stand up with me today, will you? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you that the word that was, that was taught today, God, thank you that, we thank you that something that was said, something that was done today, God, would just pierce our hearts, bring conviction to us today, Lord God, and just let us know the reason for the season, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, that yes, we're busy, things are happening, but God, we always need to keep you first in our lives and take that step, that step of faith the step that we need to do for you to move in our lives. Lord God, Mary had to say yes. Joseph had to say yes. They had to believe. They had to use their faith. Well, what seemed impossible to them, through the hardships, through the trials, Lord Jesus. God, we go through trials. We go through hardships. We go through pain, Father. We go through all the things that Mary and Joseph went through. And yet, they believed and they did it. And God, I believe that we today, this church, this congregation, can do it, Lord God. You've given it to them. You're helping them. You're, you're for them. You're with them, Lord God. No matter how hard it seems, no matter how hard the yes is, 
what they have to do, what they have to go through. You're with them, preparing them and helping them as they take that step for what you have for them to do in their lives. God, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for coming from heaven and dying on that cross for us, to give us eternal life with you. And we thank you for this week, Father, this last week before Christmas. God, I pronounce blessing on everybody in here, their homes, Lord God, their schools, their workplaces, their neighbors, their neighborhoods, God. I thank you for blessing them as they go this week, Lord God, and preparing for Christmas, Lord Jesus. Bring people by their paths that don't know you, Lord, that they'll be able to witness to them, and that, Lord, some may see you and may come to Christ this week. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise for it all. And everybody said, amen, amen. We love you all. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless.